weekend is over. Yeah, we're, we're having fun. I think I'm finally sober. <laughs> it was. It, it started with days, our huh? show, man. It started with our show on Friday, and I didn't let up until Sunday. Well, I stopped drinking Saturday night, but it was still with me all day Sunday. Just you can't recover like you used to, huh? You ain't I'm getting old, man. Yeah. It lingers for a little bit longer these days, you know? Can't uh, do it like I used to. I was on straight daddy daycare this whole weekend. Wife went out of town to a friend's birthday slash engagement party. So I had the kiddos to myself. Oh. So I was I was good. I was I was bored out of my mind, but uh, <laughs> I didn't partake in the libations like you did this weekend. So I'm actually great. I'm glad that you're yeah. up to snuff now. You're you're good to go. You're sober. Yeah. I'm I'm good. It's uh it was a tough couple days. Took the wife out. She had some drinks. We went to saw a band uh Saturday night while watching football. And uh you know, I turned into a little bit of a rock star when I'm out and about. We uh start singing a little bit. My wife got up on stage and started singing. Oh. And you've met my wife and you know how quiet she is. She's quiet. I would have loved to see that. When she drinks, she is the opposite of quiet. Is, her alter ego comes out oh, and uh she is she was living her best life having that's a good time here that's good man so, so here's the thing that like she, she doesn't she doesn't drink like beer and stuff a lot of women don't drink beer but because she like doesn't eat a lot or whatever she has no like shut off valve because she drinks drinks that taste good like oh. for the longest time, she drank this drink she called a Swedish fish, and I think it was meant to be a shot, and she turned it into like a full drink. Oh, so it sneaks up on her. Yes. So like, what she was drinking Saturday night was lemonade, strawberry rum, and then I don't know if you've ever seen those little like tubes of flavored stuff you can pour in the water bottle to make water it like enhancers. flavored water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she brought a tube with her into the bar of that stuff, put it in the strawberry lemonade vodka that she had basically concocted, and just turned it into this delicious, oh, tasting man. good drink. But you're getting inebriated at the same time. Ooh. And plus, that sugar, so, the sugary stuff is the things that give you headaches the next day, right? And it's like, rum. Like, it's rum and vodka is normally what she goes with. And luckily, vodka is not as bad as the rum, but. Typically she'll go rum and yeah, she was, it was fun. We had a good time. But Sunday I was hurt. I was hurt bad. Well, the highlight of my weekend were these football games. Um, it was a good weekend for football. It uh, was. The, the one game that we had one request. We only asked for one thing. Our, both our teams lost. We just so, wanted to win some money. We wanted to win some money. Yes. Two requests then because the other one was that, I don't know if Baltimore you're rooting loses. against Baltimore. Oh yeah, I actually this is it's rare for me. This is the one year where I wanted to see Lamar Jackson do good. I mean, I be I'm a I've never liked the Ravens as a team, and really despise a couple of individuals that I had to go against that donned Ravens helmets. But Lamar Jackson, it's hard to hate that kid. So it's yeah, it's funny. He's he's about as likable and as I guess rootable, if that's a word, guy to play for a rival as you could come across. Yeah. Now, 
I think the criticisms of him, especially in the playoffs, have been fair. But I don't so much root against. If he was on 28 other teams in the NFL, I would root for him. I wanted to see him succeed. But the thing is, the team they were going against, they have a kid at quarterback and they have a coach, D'Amico Ryans, that I also was rooting for. And I don't – I'm indifferent when it comes to the Houston Texans. I don't – I could care less about them as a as a team, yeah. um, but they have individuals on their team. So I was conflicted. Um, it could have went either way. I thought Houston would make it a game. Uh, I just wanted they, them to cover and score they some did points. Not. No, <laughs> Lamar Jackson and crew. Lamar went off. You could tell he took that game a little personally. The way he was well, running the ball on. out there. Let's hey, he had a hell of a game running the ball. But ball, let's make no mistakes about it. Baltimore's defense won that game. Oh yeah. They won that game. They held that that Houston offense, which has been on fire, to no touchdowns. I mean, three points. The only touchdown was the was the punt return. Right. Baltimore's yeah. defense was out there playing with their hair on fire. They have game. been three the weeks best off defense in the NFL. Cleveland held that mantle, I think, probably for the first three quarters of the season. For a while, Baltimore's defense, the last quarter. December, all the way up to this point, have been playing lights out football. Yeah, they're, they've been playing phenomenal. And that was without Marlon Humphrey. Without Marlon Humphrey. And the offense has, has done what it needed to do. It has, they put up points. They haven't necessarily put up a whole lot of yards, and they haven't been explosive, so to speak. But they, they've gotten it in the end zone. They've scored yeah. touchdowns. Um, and this is without Mark Andrews and – if we're being honest, no real scary threat at wide receiver, but that's been no. the case for Baltimore. For They've the, got a bunch of Jags. They just got a bunch of guys that are just Zay Flowers, and part of that I is think, schematic. Right. It is. I think a lot of it's schematic. I had this debate with uh, a buddy of mine earlier this week. Uh, we shall call him Chuck. This is the other guy who also roots for two different teams. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've talked about him. We've talked about this guy. Um he has this notion that uh, Lamar needs a number one receiver to truly unlock his potential. I fight back and say, it's just what you think of a number one will never be the case in Baltimore. I don't think it's just, and it's no. been, it, it, it happened before Lamar. Like you won't get an AJ Brown. You'll get AJ well, Brown and the Tennessee Titans. If he goes to Baltimore versus AJ Brown, for the Philadelphia Eagles. And let's pump the brakes there because A.J. Brown was still a one with the Titans, but it's um, it's not like the Ravens haven't tried. Right. They've invested a ton of draft capital into wide receivers. Mm-hmm. They've, in dra- they've invested salary cap space into wide receivers. They've brought in former number one overall picks at wide receiver. It That's Lamar is who he is as a quarterback at this point, and the Ravens are smart enough to say we're going to shape our offense around that and what he does well. And for now, there's no signs of Lamar slowing down. Now, because of that, will can Lamar be like Brady or somebody and play until he's 40? Probably not, but you still got another five- to seven-year window of Lamar being Lamar, and that's good enough to win your team a championship, especially when you play defense the way Baltimore plays defense. Right. They have a very – their offense complements their defense and vice versa. Just the yeah. way – and because of that, and it's fine. Like, in, in today's day and age, they're an enigma as far as offensive, offensively. Um, so, I don't think just the way their style of play, they won't field a receiver that's going to get 100 catches and 
1,500 yards. No. It just doesn't work for them. Mark Andrews will get 800, 900 yards a year. Isaiah Likely, who will uh, I, like succeed Mark Andrews when he's done yeah. playing, he'll be that type of player for them too. Um, and they'll have a running back that's going to catch 30 balls. They'll have a couple of running backs, and then they'll have Lamar rushing for 1,000 yards. It's just not enough. They don't have enough plays in the game in order to feel the type of receiver my buddy thinks Lamar needs, which I don't think he does. Like, I don't – I don't think they need to go and try to get a proven commodity like a Stefan Diggs or somebody and expect them to be the Diggs that he is in Buffalo, which we'll talk about that later. He kind of yeah. uh, has had a very uh, less than ideal finish to the season. He's um, dead to me. <laughs> he won't. He's dead to me. A guy like that or anybody, a T. Higgins, uh, who's a free agent this year, they, they just won't put up numbers in Baltimore, and, and that's fine. They don't need that type of receiver. And furthermore, that those other number one – so you might get a guy like a T. Higgins, so to speak, who wants to be a number one receiver if somebody flashes – if Baltimore flashes a lot of cash at them to come to Baltimore, but a proven commodity number one is not going to come to Baltimore as a free agent. Correct. You have to do it through the draft because of the style of offense – Think back to Nebraska football in the 90s, mm-hmm. right? If you're a wide receiver, if you're a top-notch wide receiver going to college from high school, you aren't going to Nebraska. You're not going to Nebraska. Right. And that's what Baltimore is in the NFL, and that's okay. Nebraska won a lot of games back then, won championships with their style of football. Baltimore will win a lot of games. They will win divisions, but we'll see what they do this weekend now that they're playing – the heir apparent with yeah Patrick Mahomes because this is his league now that Brady's gone. It's his league, man. And uh that was the other AFC matchup that uh I have mixed feelings about. I was going for Casey going in. I was but Patrick Mahomes, the only road game he's ever had to go to on in the playoffs, which is absurd in itself. The fact that he's had nothing but home playoff games the entire time he's been a starter. He's never not been in the AFC championship. Um, you all the accolades and this seemed like the year, if any year, where they were primed to get picked off. Uh, they were on the road for the first time. Offense has been looking abysmal. They've been carried by their defense up to this point. Uh, wide receivers dropping balls left to right. Kadarius Tony, uh, McCole Hartman. Nobody has really um stepped up in the absence of Tyreek Hill from two years ago. And then I guess Juju, who was their number one last year, they haven't even found, and he put up like what, 900 yards receiving last year or something like that. And they haven't found anybody to replace it. Obviously you still got Travis Kelsey there, but that offense has looked horrible up until last week Uh, in Miami. The offense shows some life. Rasheed Rice seems to be coming into his own. Um, and well, they angry, got they got angry man runner Isaiah Pacheco, who I like yeah. nobody runs angrier than that man. Like, he that's really baby, that's that's baby Kareem Hunt. No, I, I say baby AP, he runs yeah. like AP does, you know, he where does. he just wants to hurt you and like he feels like nothing's going to stop him. I love the way so, he runs it. The, Kansas City got up, they got the bye in week eight with being able to rest their starters mm-hmm. essentially like in the regular season and if there's a team that needed it it was Kansas City 
Like, hey, they've been there before. You don't have to worry about the rust factor. They've been in the playoffs year after year after year. They needed a little after some of the meltdown. Then you get blessed with zero degree temperature and hosting the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. So it kind of lined up perfectly for them to almost coast into this matchup with the Bills. And then the Bills lost players against your Steelers and played on Monday. I was rooting for the Bills. I thought the Chiefs would win. There was a lot of stuff. Josh Allen had to play how Josh Allen played to have a chance for them to win, and he did. Uh, he he didn't turn well. the ball over. He tried to turn it over a couple times. Oh, that Allen last drive, he tried to. Uh, he fumbled, and it was a hezzy play by Kincaid to knock the ball out of bounds. Yeah. Or else that would have been a turnover. Uh, that coach um, – <laughs> Why can't I think of the, the, the Sean name McDermott? There? McDermott, McDermott, with the the bonehead player of the game going for a fake field goal or fake punt. He thought that he was thirty. He thought it was a make a wish play, and with he was DeMar giving Hamlin. the ball to Demar Hamlin, and everybody was just going to let him walk. It wasn't. First of all, it was fourth and more than five. I think it said fourth and five on the television, but it mm-hmm. was more. It was a. It was like a they long call, five. They like call a long a, five. Yes. Right. So. You do that with one or two yards needed, not damn near six yards Dude, and to get take, a first down. You take the ball out of the arguably the hardest runner outside of maybe Isaiah Pacheco. Josh Allen is hard to bring down. Yeah. Like he, it's, it's well documented on how hard this man is to, to bring down, He's especially huge. on fourth down scrambles. You take the ball out of his hands and you run a fake punt with DeMar Hamlin, who has been, I don't know how many times he's been active this year. I mean, he hasn't played but a handful of games. And when you go back and watch the play, it couldn't have been more evident that there was a fake punt coming because Hamlin walks back and forth like three or four different times, almost picking which side of the line. It was like they were – you know this as an offensive lineman. I When I was in high school and I played quarterback, we had a play called Zero Wedge. You know what Zero Wedge mm-hmm. is. Everybody knows what Zero Wedge is. They have different names for it, but it's fullback dive right, right up the middle. But as a quarterback, you have to know which way am I opening, and it's based on how the defensive line is stacked in front of you. Exactly. So what you do when you get to the line, you tap your ass cheek so that the fullback knows which way. It almost looks like you're just wiping your hand but you're mm-hmm. tapping your ass cheek so the fullback knows which way you're opening so you don't run into each other to run zero wedge. It was like he was doing that for the whole defense to see that, oh, they shifted this way. I'm going to go to this side of the ball so that we can run that way. Oh, they shifted this way. I'm going to go to this side of the ball. And it's like a quarterback who's like tapping his cheek three or four different times so everybody sees which way he's going to open. It was the stupidest thing ever. Sean McDermott is the weak link of that team. Mm. Somebody, uh, I think earlier this week, Rex Ryan even threw out the idea of Bill Belichick going up to Buffalo. That would that be would wonderful. Be, that, that would, would be, be wonderful. Crazy. But um, you know what I would love to see? I would love to see Bill Belichick go to Buffalo and Tom Brady come out of retirement and play one more year with the Patriots. Now that <laughs> Belichick's gone, that would be that, so much that's fun. Just, that's just crazy talk right there. That's just crazy, crazy talk. business. <laughs> Taking crazy but, uh, pills. Despite the uh, the botched fake punt, Andy Reid tried to one-up him by 
handing the ball off to Pacheco two or three times in a row, gets him down to the two-yard line, and what do you do? Give it to Nicole Hartman. Give it to Nicole Hartman for an end around. <laughs> Did you see his stat line at the end of the game? What was it? It was like two carries, minus one yards, two fumbles. <laughs> his, oh, my goodness. What's his my. stat line at the end of the game? Dude, they – that legit Listen. looked like they called Matt Canada. It was like, hey, what you got for us? <laughs> they <laughs> said, you... listen, Kadarius Tony, you need to sit down. Nicole Harper said, hold my beer. I got you. <laughs> Watch what I do. Dude. Like, that was so bad. It was so bad. Especially, it's, it just looks even worse when you realize what they did the previous two plays to get to where they were on the field. Yep. Pacheco was running his butt off, and then you take the ball out of his hands to put it in McCole Hartman, who had already fumbled earlier in the game. And uh, yeah, that's what happens. But um, it was a good game. It was, it a was good, a other than the, good game. the Baltimore game got out of hand late, but it was a tie game at halftime. Mm-hmm. The Baltimore game was. It was a good weekend of games, though, for the most part for the divisional round. Baker did what I told you Baker would do. Baker will ball out and put up numbers, but at the end of the game, Oof. he's going to throw it away. Oof. And that it, that we, was we a talk- very exciting game, man. That uh, that crowd in Detroit was electric. They were nuts, but yeah. that's that's why that was the Baker Mayfield experience all in one for Tampa. Like that's yeah. why Cleveland moved on. Is he's going to keep you in the game, but he's going to throw it away, and. There was I don't know I still don't know what he was looking at on that interception at the end of the game. There was was the first pick was not his fault. That was Mike Evans' fault. It hit him right in the hands, glanced up in the air. Tampa is only in that situation because of Baker and what he was able to do. And then you have Todd Bowles for whatever reason. Let's go for two. Like like I get like I understand that to a certain extent. But that wasn't his only – like, I could get – either way. Like, I understand, like, in the, on the road, going against a team that you can't stop offensively. You don't know uh, what the, the rest of the game, how it's going to unfold. I get making it a six-point game. Uh, maybe you get into field goal range twice. You save a little bit of time. Or there's uh, all kinds of scenarios that can unfold, which would make it um, advantageous to go for two there. I didn't agree with it. Just kick the extra point. Keep things going. Like, don't mess up the momentum that you you're getting from this touchdown by risking missing a two point conversion. That's exactly what happened. But even with that, uh, and even with the interception, uh, one thing that I've never heard a coach say, and you saw um, Detroit at the end of the game did not use the full clock. They were kneeling the ball yeah. way too early in the play clock. And it was third and 12, and they kneeled the ball with 36 seconds or something like that. And Tampa yeah. had a timeout left. They had a timeout yeah. left. So they could have called a timeout and had 36 seconds. And Detroit would have had a hard decision to make on whether they wanted to kick a 49-yard field goal. And the way that kickers had been acting up this entire Tampa, Tampa had already missed a field goal from shorter yeah. in the Tampa game. Tampa had missed a field goal. Uh Bass. Well, you know, Trey, I don't know if you remember this before the game, but anything can happen in that Detroit weather, according to the one reporter who asked Todd Bowles about it. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. The irony I mean, and all that. Yeah. 
Maybe the weather would have played a factor on a field goal. You never know. Just I mean, if the conditions are too perfect, some people can't handle perfect, you know? So maybe the weather did have a role. There's no wind, perfect lighting. Ah, can't make it. The but way no. everybody's loud yelling from this side of the stadium, all their breath is going to push the right. field goal that way. Regardless, he had the nerve to say they played until the end of the game, when literally they did not. <laughs> did literally, not. the coach did not call a timeout with 36 seconds left. He was, His excuse, and I love Coach Bowles. Like, I had a chance to go down there and uh, listen to him, how he runs the room when I was down there for my coaching internship. Got a chance to know him very well. Um, always respected the, the mess out of him, even when he didn't have the most success when he was the Jets head coach. Um, but I've never heard a coach say, uh, well, we knew the outcome was going to be obvious. So we didn't right. bother to call the timeout there. They were already lining up to kick a field goal. We would have only had 12 seconds left. I don't care how much time you got left, man. If there's any chance, any shot, we've seen crazy things happen. We've seen the Music City Miracle with Frank Wycheck and that that crew down there in um, in Tennessee uh, with that last minute kickoff return for a touchdown uh, on the lateral. We saw what happened in Cal and all the lateral passes, like and stuff like that happens in moments. You can like fumble that. a snap. No, you can miss a field goal. A field goal block has happened in this in in the playoffs. It happens enough that you give your team a chance in the playoffs. On the road, you give him every possible opportunity to turn the game around, and he did not do that. So I thought that was just – and his excuse afterwards was just – it made it even worse. It made it even worse. Yeah, it was, do it was bad. It was, and they got some questions now because you got a lot of free agents on that Tampa team that wasn't exactly a world-beaten team to begin with, and now the rumors are Belichick to Atlanta, the Saints could be back. The, the Panthers will probably still stink, but – it's a there's a lot of questions in Tampa, so to just squander an opportunity, right? Like ah, it was just over. It's it all over. good. Yeah, they had their field goal out. We were scared. They were going to make it. It would have been a tip. We only had twelve seconds. Like it, it was. We bad. had reservations. We had reservations a, at the MGM for the late game. It was a bad. Yeah, get to where and, we're going. And because of that, I, honestly, if I'm, uh, it was Matt Light, um, their GM. Uh, I think so. L-I-C-E-H-T, I know that's how you pronounce it, and their owner, the Glazers. You got to take a, a, a hard look at Coach Bowles. I mean, I know it's unlikely that they move on for him, but I know he was on the hot seat going into the playoffs. So he didn't have the the coldest of seats going into it, the way that right. the team was so up and down. Um, and with some of the coaches that are out there that could be had. But mm-hmm. they've got some questions. The last – the 49ers game. I want to go into this for one reason. I drew this analogy with some friends. The Packers blew that game. They had a oh, couple yeah. picks, including one surefire pick six that they just dropped. Dude. But the, uh, it, the whole world is on this overcompensation for Brock Purdy thing these days. And it's ridiculous. Explain. What do you mean by overcompensation? He is he's a fine quarterback. But let's not pretend that the 49ers couldn't or wouldn't be in the same exact spot right now if you have all those pieces, Kyle Shanahan is your coach and 15 to 20 of the other starting quarterbacks in this league. 
I'll go down them. We can go by division by division. And I want you to tell me right or wrong if the 49ers are likely to have the same success or likely same success as they're having with Brock Purdy. So we'll start in his division. Matt Stafford. Absolutely. Geno Smith. I think that's probably. a fair comp to Purdy, probably. Honestly, probably. Yeah, I think they're very close to similar. Yeah. Um, Kyler Murray. Absolutely. Now AFC West, since we started NFC West, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. We don't know Aiden O'Connell, but what we have to say because we've seen them have the success is Jimmy Garoppolo. They've been in the same position with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't Jimmy think the Garoppolo. offense is this good with Jimmy G. I think we, no, I don't Jimmy think the G. offense is good, but the team was still in Super Bowls and NFC Championship games. Yeah, they uh, but they didn't let Jimmy pass one one of the games. No, you're right, but I keep Champions. the argument that I'm seeing from guys like Richard Sherman and people like that is he's in the NFC Championship two years in a row. Don't tell me how he's not good when he's in the NFC. Ch- Richard Sherman, do you remember what you and your Legion of Boom said about Russell Wilson when he was getting the credit for your defense in Seattle? Let's not act like the 49ers are there because of Brock Purdy. Yeah. He's now, playing I mean, his job. He's doing his job. He's playing his role. He is. And I will say this watching that game, it's not many times I come out of a football game and say the better team uh, that day lost. Um, it's not, it's not like did. soccer where it could be a tie tie, a tie game, and you're like, oh, one team obviously dominated the action more than yeah. the others, but the result was a tie. Mm-hmm. You can do that. You see it in soccer a lot. Don't see the football that often. And I saw it in the Green Bay 49ers game. LaFleur, who I think did an absolute amazing job with the Green Bay team this year, uh, considering how they started, yeah. considering how young they are. First like, year, Jordan Love. Historically young. And Jordan Love did not start the year out hot, but ended it on a uh, on a heater. And uh, – He's he's going to be the future. He's going to get paid this offseason. Uh, he's going to be one to higher pay. He he's a very promising young quarterback, and he put it all on display. Green Let Bay, me, was uh, be- Green Bay was the better team on Sunday. Yeah, There's no doubt. And about it. Jordan Love made a terrible mistake at the end of the game, like Baker. Like it's yeah. And now he's going to have to live with that all offseason long. So let's keep going down the list. We've already gotten probably five now, but Justin Herbert is San Francisco as good with Justin Herbert as Brock Birdie? Yes, they're better with Justin Herbert. Yeah, they're better with Justin Herbert. Uh, Russell Wilson, since he was a starter in Denver this year, I don't know. I think Russell is set in his ways. I think he would have an issue in that offense because it just I can like, so, at this phase, this phase of Russell Wilson, I agree. Yeah, yeah, he just like, holds it, on it, to it, the ball too long. Career. He can't throw with timing. So let's go NFC North. Justin Fields. He had an opportunity to grab Justin Fields, right? And didn't well, he John Lynch did, and they went with Trey Lance. They went with Trey Lance. Um, it's not like they picked Purdy over him because he was the better fit. They went Trey Lance. We're gonna talk about Fields a little bit later. I, yeah, no, I think they're I at least as good. I don't think they're as good. I think, if, I Fair think enough. if Fields started out, like if he if he's coming up under Shanahan as a rookie, not Justin Fields now, but not if he just started Fields in now. that system. Fair now enough, he, yeah. But not just a um, Jared Goff. Yes. Better than Brock Purdy and just Better as good. Brock Purdy. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Love. Yes. Kirk Cousins. Yes. Uh, AFC North. Kenny Pickett. 
Again, I'll put him in a Justin Fields boat. If he starts out in that system, he's a completely different. He he's a lot. He's in a lot better position if he starts out there. But right now, no, no, yeah. Same as Justin Fields, no. Yeah. Um, Deshaun Watson. Yes. Joe Burrow. Yes. Lamar Jackson. Yes. Uh, NFC East. Dak Prescott. Not from a talent perspective. I just don't know if his game would mesh. I don't know why I think that with him. It just seems like a bad match. But like there's, just from a t- the, talent perspective, yes. But it just seems like it wouldn't marry up. There's another one that I'm going to mention that I feel the same about as Dak, but we haven't gotten to them yet. Daniel Jones. Ooh. That's actually a tough one. I'm going to say no. I think that's right there with Geno Smith, but I go no I go Daniel no. Jones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sam Howell. No. Jalen Hurts. Yes. Mac Jones. Oof. Yes. No. I think, I think he does as well. I think they are very similar. I think Brock Purdy might be a tad bit more um, talented or uh, athletic, not talented. I think as far as the arm and throwing, I think Mac Jones would do real. I think that system would be perfect for him. Okay. Tua. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Josh Allen. Yeah. Josh Allen and that system would be yeah. Would be silly. Yeah. Desmond Ritter. No. Bryce Young. Yes. I think he would be just as good. Derek Carr. I put him in that Gino and uh Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Area. I, lean I tend to good. say yes. Yeah, yeah, just as good. Um, Baker Mayfield. I don't know. And I say he's that my because... Dak. He's my Dak. Okay. Where I, I think they both have a tendency to shrink in the big games. It's not a talent yeah. thing. It's not a it's talent. a big game, it's a big game thing where they shrink in the big games. Um, and I think that does it. Yeah, that's so, so we just we just riddled off about 20 quarterbacks that mm-hmm. San Francisco would be just as good, if not better, with than Brock Purdy. Trevor and, Lawrence. Ah, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. AFC South. Trevor Lawrence, yes. Anthony I think Richardson. um well either of them, Anthony Richardson or uh Minshew. the Mustachio legend Minshew. Uh CJ Stroud, obviously, yes. Yeah. So yeah. Tannehill or no, none of the Titans quarterbacks. No. Levis, I don't know. Le- the jury said I don't Levis. I think that kid. It's still out, but right now, no. Yeah, right now. So no. two-thirds of the league's starting quarterbacks, not counting some of the backups, because mm-hmm. you think Flacco couldn't go out there and sling in Kyle Shanahan's offense with those weapons and do just as good? I mean, I think you, you can need put- to have some mobility in that offense. I don't think Flacco would. But the way he 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 schemes guys up. Right. Yeah. As long as you can see the field and make the decision, right, you're good. So again, this isn't the hate on him. And, and people, when you want to call people who they are, everybody wants to draw it up like you're hating on them. It's not hating on Brock Purdy. He's doing his job. He's doing his job very well. But let's call a spade a spade and let's be honest. What people love about Brock Purdy is his his value, his contract. He saved that team. He did. He is 
making less money than the homeless people of San Francisco right now, <laughs> playing quarterback for the 49ers. So that is what's great about Brock Purdy because any other GM and coach combo, you make the mistake they made with Trey Lance, you're fired. You're not competing for the Super Bowl. And that's a testament to Brock Purdy. But let's not pretend that Brock Purdy is Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or anywhere near their level because if you put him on any of those teams, those teams don't make the playoffs. This is true. And I think people forget how defensive folks got over Jimmy G. And when when it was obvious, he was who he was. And there then was we nothing. saw he was who he was when he went to we the, saw the Raiders. He looked great in the Shanahan offense. Everybody kept going back. Well, he's won all these games. He's only lost like four games he started because he had all those early injuries or whatever. But then we saw when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, Jimmy G just wasn't that guy. Now, I do think Brock is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I, think I do, too. a little bit more ish to him. I think Yep. he has a more savvy. He seems more composed. And, and I think his ceiling is his ceiling is high too. He's not right. a finished product. He could get there. The he's thing, yeah. like he could be great. He's just in a very good situation to grow. He's not scared to throw the ball downfield. Whereas Jimmy nope. checked down Jimmy was Oh, he was terrified. He was terrified to throw anybody. And he's not he scared was, of the moment either. Brock is yeah. not scared of the moment. And so he had opportunity and that, and that he did not play a good game to start. Like no. overall it was not a good game, but when it counted the most, when he had to he put made up a play. shut up, he made plays. Yeah, that, that throw to he Conley being a huge throw uh, that really got them in position. But context but, is everything. You you beat a seven seed at home right. after three weeks off. But even still, like I mean, Green Bay was they were the better team on Saturday night, and the 49ers did. San Francisco found a way. Yeah. To get out of there, and that's what sometimes it takes uh, to be a championship team when you're not playing your best ball, and they definitely worked. But they're in the NFC Championship going against a, a resurgent Detroit Lions. That's going to be fun to watch. And we got Baltimore versus Kansas City. Oh. If Lamar is going to break through, this is he has to do it. He has to go through Patrick Mahomes. That's the I'm gonna only watch, way. I'm going to watch curling this weekend. <laughs> There's zero. Don't be so salty. You know you're going to be in there watching on Sunday. There's zero good. Well, you the game I want to watch is game. the late game too. It's, uh, it's only six thirty. You know these uh, championship Sunday, the times are at three and six thirty. So it's not horrible. I know it's just like it was this week, and I was up till nine thirty. I'm going to have bets on the game. I'm going to sit up the whole time, watch my bets lose because Stefan Diggs can't catch one more pass. Dude. Speaking of bets, and then you know, I should have been more adamant about my anger at Buffalo Bills because Jarvis Landry Jr. It wasn't even him. Sleeper. The only way I could bet on any games in Georgia is through the sleeper app. It's daily without fantasy. Your, without without Bookie Rody coming. Without to the Bookie <laughs> I know I, I feel like I get on your nerves. Like, hey, can you place this bet for me? I'm no, like, I just don't always see him. <laughs> no, I know. I'm like, like dude, let me stop bothering him sometimes. No, but, um, I just don't always see him before the kickoff. Dude, you know how like bets or certain websites have these like specials, especially when it comes to daily fantasy, where yeah. they'll lower the amount of yards that a quarterback has to get. And so the original 
over under for Josh Allen was 225 yards, but they had a special. They had a special that you could only place $10 on in your parlay. I had an eight-leg parlay, and one of the specials was Josh Allen only having to exceed 187.5 yards. Look what this man did. Oh no! Look what this man! I don't know. Can you can you see that? Oh, I can see spot. that. A hundred and eighty-six yards. He had to get a hundred eighty-seven and a half. So on that last drive, oh look at all the little drive, tickets! Look at the tickets! Where he, where he look threw. at the tickets, dude! Look at all those, oh. and it makes it worse the way they line it up. Look green, and then that one red ticket at the end just to really Two just mess yards. up the, the pattern. Especially knowing on that last drive where he was chucking the ball to the end zone like a dummy. Dude, and rolling out like it was second and 10. I was like, okay, they got to pass the ball three more times, right? You know, or well, two more times because they were only down by three. Just check it down. You have been doing that the whole game anyway. All I needed was two more yards for a $10 bet to give me 311. And Josh Allen, you let me down, man. You let me down. And now you're at home because you couldn't check it down and win your boy some money. It's messed up. I needed – that's worse than mine. Mm-hmm. But I just needed one more Stefan Diggs catch, and it would have been like 280 bucks mm-hmm. for sure. But one more Diggs catch and one more Pacheco catch from like 700 <laughs> And Pacheco had two other catches in the game that were called back for penalties on the offense. Yeah. That one was rough. But it doesn't oh, matter. Oh, it doesn't matter because Stephon Diggs couldn't get another catch anyway. And I think he had like 12 targets. It's not like I took him to get 11 catches. Took him right. to get four. Four catches. That's it. That was bad. He did not have a good game at all. And we're, I'm wondering where he's going to be next year because I don't see him being in Buffalo next year with all the drama that happened with him and the fact that he completely disappeared down the stretch. Well, he's lost a step. I meant it when I said he's he's Jarvis Landry Jr., He's yep. not a number one anymore. He's not. Um, and they sorely missed not, Gabe Davis in his game. Like, Gabe Davis well, was emerging as. Well, but Gabe Davis is boomer bust. Gabe yeah, Davis will go bust. two or three games with zero yards, and then they'll have a game with 180. I honestly think the best fit in the world, if I looked at one free agent fit in the world out there this year, Gabe it would Davis. be Mike Evans. It would oh, be Mike, Mike Evans. Evans to the Bills. Ooh. I think that is the best fit in the world because. We talked to Aditi about this. He's about the most quiet, humble superstar, especially receiver, that you're going to come across in the NFL. He's not above blocking and doing the dirty work, and all. He just goes out there and gets thousand yard seasons every year. And after every after the headache of what you just mentioned with Diggs and Josh Allen together, you bring Mike Evans in, even if it means you lose Stephon Diggs. I think that is a match made in heaven to bring Mike Evans to Buffalo. Well, Buffalo, like your Browns and my Steelers, are at home on the couch and have to start thinking about their offseason. Um, did you see Did you see the uh, Titanic? Did I send that to you? No, you didn't. It was uh, – you've seen the movie The Titanic, right? Yeah. When they open the door and he walks in and they look up the stairs. So uh-huh. now they got the thing uh, – it's a common like meme that's made – and they got the thing where like Trevor Lawrence's head is open in the door, and it's all the other quarterbacks who've already been vouched from the playoffs. <laughs> Welcome them to the Titanic. And then you look up the stairs, and there's Dak Prescott at the very top. 
Dude, yeah. The internet undefeated. I love the internet. Going fishing, man. The internet, yeah. It brings Somebody's down joy. in Cancun or now, I guess it's the Titanic. So, but uh, no, like already we got to talk about the offseason, man. I got to make some predictions, dude. There's some things that my Steelers, you know, eventually we got to talk about them. Some things that we got to address this offseason. And the big one this week with all the coaching hirings and interviews going on. The next week, this week and, and for the next week's coming uh, is our offensive coordinator. And um, I put it out in the Twitter space to see who Steeler Nation wanted. You got your got your Twitter fingers working? Got my Twitter fingers working. Who Steelers wanted their top three candidates um, at offensive coordinator. Um, with oh. The, and so if you could, Rody, you can just go through and post what – I will, but I want you to first. I want you to know how much joy this brings me because once, as a Browns fan, we asked a homeless person who we should draft with the number one overall draft pick, and now we're soliciting Steeler Nation to to uh, hire the offense court. I want you to see the parallels I'm drawing here, and I can't wait for this real rebuild for you. I can't wait for it to happen. I I, I don't even see what you're seeing. Like that doesn't even make any <laughs> sense. This is just banter. We're not actually going to listen to me or to the. The front office, I hope, isn't reading my damn Twitter talking about, hey, we we need we need to do what Trey says and and but no. Uh, if they are, you need to be paid a little bit more. Yeah, I know, right? I know. I need some more. Sign that dotted line. All right, let me no. see. I think I got it. I got I think I got you right here. Let's see what we got. We got some interesting names coming up. Uh we see Clint Kubiak, who seems to be a popular choice, Zach Robinson, who just got interviewed this week. Pete Pep Hamilton, that's a name. It actually Ooh. was surprising. Arthur, Arthur Smith. Smith. Uh, he has success in Tennessee. Kingsbury ain't coming. Kingsbury. Kingsbury. Ain't and Mike LaFleur. The LaFleur name is pretty hot right now. Obviously, with his brother doing big things. Uh, Mike LaFleur is out in, uh, in LA, right? If I'm. I think so. He's out in LA with, uh, with McVeigh. So. The, the most common name that seems to be getting mentioned is Clint Kubiak, uh, who is the passing game coordinator for the 49ers. And so, obviously, with the success that Purdy has had in that, and granted, that offense is Shanahan's brainchild, but we saw the success that McDaniels had going from San Fran to Miami and that explosive offense. We saw what Bobby Slowick did going from San Fran to Houston and what he's done with CJ Stroud. So I'm on board. I like Clint Kubiak. I thought he, I think he's he's obviously masterminded some pretty good schemes as far as the passing game is concerned. Also like another guy there and Brian Greasy. Uh he's the quarterback coach for the 49ers. Only 2 years of coaching experience. And so that gives people pause, but for me, the reason why I like Brian Greasy in that role for us as a former player I had the opportunity to be coached by three different people at the offensive line position. Russ Grimm. Uh, oh, okay. Larry Zerline and Sean Coogler. Um, all great coaches, all somewhat different. But the guy that really I learned the most from, the guy that really helped take me to an, from a college offensive lineman and really told me what it was like to be a pro was Russ Grimm. And if folks have not heard that name before, he's one of the original hogs for 
what is formerly known as the Washington Redskins. He was part of the those Super yeah. Bowl teams with John Riggins, Art Monk, Daryl Green. Um, just fantastic Washington Redskins team. And the O-line uh, was one of the best in the history of the game. And so Russ Grimm uh, was, was one of the linchpins for that O-line. And when he became a coach, it didn't stop there. He coached some really great players, some really great offensive lines. We had Marvell Smith, Alan Fanica, Max Starks, list goes on. And I will tell you why him being having that experience as being a Super Bowl champion, uh, playing on some great teams, you can't get that experience just from coaching alone. Like the fact that he did that as a player, how it resonates with the with the offensive line room, it, it you can't recreate that. He with speaks, else. he speaks your language. He speaks like our he language knows. and he knows that different body types do different things. He didn't try to pigeonhole each one of us to do something that like to, to abide by his philosophy. And so the reason I like Brian Greasy in the quarterback room is that he's won the Super Bowl, albeit as a backup to John Elway in Denver, but he's played a position. He played it for 10 plus years. He was in Tampa. He was in Chicago. He's had success playing a position. And so that speaks to quarterbacks differently than it does to somebody who's just gone up through the coaching ranks. Um, Obviously, you can get a good coach who didn't necessarily play NFL football, but I think the quickest way, especially for guys that you're trying to quote unquote fix, like we're trying to do with Kenny Pickett uh, and Mason Rudolph, whatever, I think having a former quarterback goes a long way. That experience resonates with players more so than I think anything else. Plus, he has the experience of just helping Brock Purdy along. And so I think that would be a good fit for us. And then my last choice would be Byron Left, which for a lot of the same reasons. Former quarterback, played at a high level, but also has won a Super Bowl as offensive coordinator in recent history. I ran it with the greatest quarterback of all time and Tom Brady, but he had a big part to do with that. Um, and so I think, and plus, obviously, him being a former Steeler and his relationship with Coach Tomlin. So Clint Kubiak, my wish list, Clint Kubiak, Brian Greasy, Byron Leftwich. So, and I'm glad you brought him up because I was going to ask you um, about Leftwich because I did see how on 93.7 in Pittsburgh, um, I think, um, I don't, I'm probably not saying, the Athletics Mark Caboli, Caboli he yeah. said Leftwich won't even be an option I, I for the too. offensive coordinator. So, I, I mean, is I don't know why you would just rule anybody out like that before interviewing them when he's, again, played there, played behind greats, Coached greats because he was Brady's offensive coordinator, right? Um, the and like you said, a former quarterback who can where he was at in his draft and kind of his circumstances are very similar to Kenny Pickett's. Mm -hmm. I mean, drafted to Jacksonville, he has somebody who was a later round draft pick after injuries or whatever come in and David Garrard and replace him. He can speak Kenny's language. They can relate to each other, right? I like if that. that's still where you're at as a franchise, and you're trying to rebuild him and salvage that pick still, which I think this latest thing with Tomlin coming back and stuff like that, whether it's a year or whatever, they have to get this right with the mm -hmm. offensive coordinator and, and Kenny Pickett. Otherwise, to. I think they're looking at it like we'll just go ahead and cut bait next year and do a full rebuild because next year it's either sink or swim for Kenny Pickett. Um, so I don't know why you would just rule Byron Leftwich out right off the jump from that. It didn't make sense to me. 
Um, the you know Ken Dorsey doesn't do anything for you. No, I don't like hiring guys that just got fired. It's just right. it, it irks me. Like if you at, at least to the same position, don't hire somebody to the same position. To the same yeah, position. Like, if you got a head coach who was fired and you want to hire them as an OC or a DC, that's different. But right. don't hire somebody who is just fired as an offensive coordinator to be your offensive coordinator. At least not immediately, not the next year. Like take a year off. Like you just got fired and you got fired from a team that had one of the best quarterbacks in the game and Josh Allen and you couldn't make it. I mean, at least they thought that they needed to go in a different direction from you. Now I think Ken Dorsey um, took a lot of unnecessary flack because Josh Allen does Josh Allen things regardless of who's calling the plays. Um, But I would like Ken Dorsey as a quarterback's coach for you guys. Yeah. I think, yeah. You bring him in there. Again, yeah. You bring him in. He's younger. He can relate to this generation a little bit more than maybe a Mike Sullivan who's been around the game forever. Um, He played the position for for the Browns, played in Miami, won a championship in Miami. Uh, in college. And so Ken Dorsey, I think, would be a good quarterback coach. But I would not want to hire him as OC. Um, but an honorable mention, if I had to pick a fourth candidate, would be Eric Bieniemy, Because I think the main reason with him, I think he, he's I – don't, I don't think he did a horrible job in Washington. I just think they had so many holes and so many issues. They're not they a had, good team. They They're just a not a good team. team. Um. And he was playing with a lame duck head coach. So I, I just think everything was working against him. I thought that offense still improved. And I think Sam Howe can can be a player. I think he he did what he could with Sam Howe, despite all the sacks and all the interceptions. I think there's something there with Sam Howe. And I think EB was able to get that out of them. The main reason why I want to bring him, though, is the main reason why he's probably not a head coach, because he's a little rough around the edges. He challenges players. He gets in the face of players. I think we need that. We absolutely need that. You need to get your toughness back. You need to get your balls back. And we need somebody. If we can't, if there isn't a leader who can step up. Najee Harris is probably the closest thing we got to a bona fide leader on offense, but he's still maybe in this this fourth year, it'll, it'll emerge even more so, but there's no bona fide leaders on our offense and offensive line. I think EB could help usher that in and give the wide receivers a little bit more discipline. Obviously, we've been lacking that the last few years. But I don't think you have the same type of drama on offense because with Tomlin's backing, I think he would give the enemy full reign to do what he needs to to get make sure everybody falls in line on the offensive side of the ball. So he will be my fourth choice, honorable mention, like I said. Uh, for those reasons, but I, I think, think he would be a good choice for you guys. I just think it's it's pretty written in stone after their struggles. He's going to go back to Kansas City. I, I just I, think that that's. You think, you I think, think it's K- a logical thing. Wins. I mean, the offense has still been a problem. It has been, and but... it's it's not been what it was with him there. I have a little bit of an outside the box suggestion for you guys. Okay. I'm listening. Who I, I who I would love to see be the offensive coordinator there. Mm-hmm. Don't poo-poo it. Let it resonate for a minute. And let me see what you think. 
And I'm just going to put his picture up there. <laughs> Harry Winkler, huh? I would just love <laughs> <laughs> the Fonz. I'd love to see the Fonz coming. <laughs> no. um, I know how you feel about guys who have just been fired, though. And I think it would be a home run for what you just described as well. If he still has interest in coaching, I don't know. But if you guys could somehow, and I would hate it, I would absolutely hate to see this happen. If you guys could somehow get Stump Mitchell in to coach your running back room, it would be it would be huge for Najee and Jalen Warren. I think Eddie Faulkner's done a good job. I don't think he's done a bad job, but maybe you promote him to OC. The Steelers are weird, man. Like it's the, you guys do a lot of that weird. I know they said it's not going to be internal, but at the end of the day, if it is, it is. I don't. I don't see it being in, internal. Just for the simple fact that their first interview, they reached out to somebody who hadn't even been, I think, a popular name, but actually makes sense. And Zach Robinson, the um, what is he? Is he the quarterback coach? He's a quarterback coach with the Rams right now, right? Yeah. And so. I remember him during his playing days. He was an Oklahoma State quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. And so he's a young gun rising through the ranks. And McVay has had success, or at least his coaches have had success elsewhere once they leave the nest. And so I think the fact that they're looking in that direction lets me know that they're trying to go younger, um, more modern uh, way of thinking when it comes to the offense. Uh, and I think you that's the right move. And so I don't know if you go with the retread or, like I said, somebody who's been fired or even internal at this point. I think you bring in a fresh face just to see if you can't revamp this offense. Let me ask you this. What's more important for this team next year to get right? The quarterback situation or the offensive coordinator? Uh, Offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator, because so you still think that with the right offensive coordinator, Kenny Pickett has the skill set to be a top ten quarterback in the league. Oh, you you really put some words in my mouth on that one. No, I'm, that's, <laughs> I'm asking. Oh, you're asking? Did you say I yes. really believe? No, no, no. I don't know. I do know that if we're going to ride with Kenny Pickett, or if it's he's even an option at this point, we need to have the right OC to give us the best chance at success there is no quarterback that's going to come in and just save us any quarterback that we can realistically get without giving up uh a crap ton of draft picks or um trading a, an important piece uh, player on our team the quickest most efficient and cheapest way for us to get the most out of the quarterback position is for us to hire the right person at offense coordinator um to at That's least it. then have a proper, at least then you'll have a proper evaluation of Kenny Pickett for next year. The exactly. excuses will be gone and done. It won't be blaming Canada anymore. Again, that's that was the one thing that I did hang on. Uh, Tomlin's head is you knew this about Canada last season and you brought him back this year yeah. to run him back. And all it did was set you back another year with trying to find out where you really are. So I agree with you that. For this season, the most important thing is to get the right offensive coordinator in place. But this is my problem I have with it because we were talking about it, and obviously the Browns 
cleaned house with a lot of their staff too. So mm-hmm. they're looking for an offense coordinator as well. And we were going to talk about both teams, but I'll be 100% honest. I don't care who the offensive coordinator is right now because on Kevin Stefanski's staff, unless they're going to be empowered to be the offensive coordinator and call the plays and the one running the show, it truly does not matter. It's irrelevant. And I'm, I'm getting very tired of – I don't want to say that nobody can do it because there are special cases, but I'm tired of these head coaches who are adamant about calling plays while game day decisions. We talked about it with Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles calls the defense for Mm -hmm. for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How many different challenges do you miss? How many different calls are you missing? Because you're getting your defense. I think twice, fourth and short, the Buccaneers could have gone for it. And Todd Bowles is probably getting his defense ready as opposed to managing the game as the CEO and head coach of that team on the field right now. That's where I don't like head coaches calling plays, not because they're not good at it. I actually think Kevin Stefanski is a very good play caller. I think he's good at, in terms of dialing up plays that scheme people open. The problem Mm -hmm. is all this other stuff lacks when your head coach is paying attention to the offense and then the, the cohesiveness of the team lacks because you got your defense as one entity, your offense is one entity, and you just go out there with your own separate common goals. Um, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, there are special cases that can do it. But by and large, look at the coaches that are left in the playoffs right now. Andy Reid calls his plays. Kyle Shanahan calls his plays. Two of the proven best to ever do it with a proven track record. John Harbaugh doesn't call, call his plays. He's right. never called his place. So Dan that's Campbell ain't calling place. Campbell ain't calling place. And that's the beauty. If and Tomlin has always delegated as well. He doesn't call, he's never called a defense, even though when right. he came in initially, it's kind of it was his thing. He had one year doing it in Minnesota. In with Minnesota. Success, and then came in and initially really wanted to call the defense, but had a Hall of Fame coach in Dick LeBeau um, calling the – And he made the right decision. He made the right decision. It takes a good, a really good head coach to be aware enough to not let your ego get in the place of the betterment of the team. And so – I truly feel these coaches do it as a way to cover their ass. It's like you come in and when you're adamant about it, it gives you job security. Because now you have something you can punt down the road. If ownership comes to you, things aren't working out okay, sorry, GM and owner, this is what I'll do then. I'll give up play-calling duties, and I'll buy myself another year or two as the head coach only. Frank Reich tried to do that. It didn't work for him. No, but it's – It's used – I know. I see what you're saying. Um, And Frank Reich has always been – It's a a tactic. (laughs) You see what – and actually, and I didn't know this until yesterday, um, Shane Steichen, um, the – offensive coordinator or the, the head coach for the Colts called all the plays in Philly. I didn't realize that when he was in Philly the year before Nick Sirianni, Nick Sirianni only called the plays for one year before giving the reins to Shane Steichen. Okay. Before that, when he was in Indianapolis as the offensive coordinator, it was only in title. He was not calling plays. Frank Reich was. And so I got to give Sirianni credit when he got to Philly initially, he called plays and knew that it didn't work. So I think he gave it like 10 games before Shane took over. And obviously 
uh, they make it to the Super Bowl the next year. And so instead of taking the reins back, which I thought he was going to do, he uh, brought in uh, the quarterback coach, who just got fired, actually, because they didn't have a, a bad end of the year this year offensively. But you usually don't see that. You usually don't see a guy who comes from not calling plays in one place like uh, Sirianni did in Indy, going and getting a head coaching gig, um, calling plays, and then give it up that soon. You remember the whole thing with Matt yeah. Nagy in Chicago going from KC, didn't call plays for Andy Reid, went to Chicago, called plays for two. It did not want to give up play calling duty at all. He was really adamant about it until it was kind of taken from his hands and he got ended up getting fired and getting canned. So I agree with what you're saying. We got a couple days. We got championship weekend to get ready for some more sports stuff. Before we get out of here though, I want to make sure you mentioned you got a little shout out you want to give to somebody. Oh yeah. So come back from break. Uh, grades are important in this household. This Northwestern degree means a lot. I'm not the only one in this house that has one of those. My wife is also a Northwestern grad. So we always emphasize grades in our household and our kids came through. They are okay. all three of them. My Maya, my Ava, my Jordy made honor roll this year, uh, this first semester. Very proud of them all. Uh, my Ava made all A's. Uh, Jordy and Maya made all A's and B's. So really hype about that. And also, I want to give a shout out to my buddy, my tennis buddy, Levi Tisdale, his son, my man, Harvey, went to kindergarten, okay. tested, tested reading. And uh, as a kindergartner, tested at a third grade level. Rody, can you read at a third grade level? I'm not. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. Well, if my there's man, pictures. Harvey can. If there's good enough pictures. If there's good enough pictures. My man, Harvey, went in school and said, I got this. And uh, he reads at a third grade level. So I want to give a shout out to him and the Tisdale family for putting him in the right situations and emphasizing the education over there. But, yeah, uh, we're all about getting good grades in the Essex household. And uh, I just had to shout out my folks. I'm glad that your kids. I'm very proud of them. I'm glad your kids took after mom in that house because yours is an honorary oh, yeah. degree. <laughs> you, this is one of those honorary. <laughs> you majored in chicken sandwiches. That actually says football. You know, I graduated <laughs> in, in football from Northwestern. That's about it. It's, uh, no, grades are grades are good. Grades are important. We stress grades in the. So I stress to my kids now, more so than the grades, is effort. You do yes. your best. If your best is B's, you better get B's. If your best exactly. is A's, you better get A's. But now that my kids are older and they spend all my money, like my, my daughter got her, they get paid for their grades. Ooh, my yeah. daughter, I just got her, I just got her report card sitting right on my desk waiting for me because she gets five dollars per A. And Ooh. she got it already tallied up. And then she tries to negotiate with me. I'm like, no, you get paid for the core classes. You don't get money for gym. You don't get A for music, man. What is what's up? Or for gym? Listen. As much as I pay for softball lessons and sports, you better get an A in gym. <laughs> you get you get private training. If you so have the, less than an A in gym, it's a problem. So what the max money they can get per report card is what? $20? 25. 25? Okay. 25. That's awesome. And it's you get you get uh five for an A, three for a B, nothing for a C. And if it's Below a C, like C minus or lower, it wipes out all your money. Ooh, I like and that. And that's cool. because in today's world, if you have less than a C, it means you're missing assignments. Exactly. It's not hard. Oh, that's a no-go. 
Yeah, it's Missing not hard. No go. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Which means you're not doing your best. Which means dad's gonna punch you in the throat. You can get the old throat punch. So, but uh, yeah, good for your kids, man. That's fun. Good for yours too, man. But now that football is winding down, and we have all this free time on Sundays and Saturdays, all this free and time. Thursdays and Mondays. What are you gonna do with your free time? Any Run DIY my kids projects? around the sports? No, no. <laughs> are you allergic to DIY? No. He's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> None of that. None yeah, of that. that. <laughs> um, what sports will you tune into? I mean, well, you know how you know how it is up here. Like once spring hits, you got all your yard work that you catch up on and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not doing that either, though. But no, no yeah, you'll, you'll start getting yard work and But once spring hits up here, um, my son is not doing baseball now. He's just doing golf. Mm-hmm. And uh, but my daughter's softball schedule. She'll be at a ball field or something five or six nights a week. Okay. For her stuff, and then he'll have golf. So my wife and I, from mid-April until August. It's t- when he was playing baseball, especially we was this one. Mm-hmm. I'm at practice with one. She's at practice with the other. And then, but at the ball field, yeah, I'll, I'll throw on uh, basketball. Like I used to love the NBA playoffs. Now I can't even really, it's, it's like watching baseball. It's white noise on in the background for me. I'll get ready for March madness. So I'll start for my betting purposes. I'll start following college basketball now in conference play so that I can get ready for March madness properly. How about you? March Madness is outside of the NFL playoffs. March Madness is my happy time. I love March Madness. That um, first weekend, is admittedly, amazing. admittedly, so I have not been keeping track with the college season outside of my Northwestern Wildcats, uh, like I have in the past. But yeah, I will start to t- tune into that more as well as the NBA. I have a, a general knowledge of what's going on in the NBA world. I can't watch a whole game like I used to. No, it's just, it's It's just, just, it's not competitive. It's sports for me was always about competition and the NBA is not a competition anymore. It's past the time to get to the playoffs because half the league makes the playoffs. Yeah. And even, even in the games, it's okay. If we happen to be under 10 point difference in the fourth quarter, we'll play defense and try, but only if we have, if it happens to be close enough for that outcome. So NBA playoffs are good. And I will say Adam Silver has done like the play in games are usually exciting. But I watch a lot of golf. Dude, I do watch golf, a lot of golf around the house. I, you know what I watch? Tennis. tennis. Oh my goodness. Australian Open is going on right now. I say you can bet like, on it and you bet you bet on it and you wake up and you see what you won. It's wonderful. Coco Golf is the great yep. American hope right now in tennis, and she's made it to the semifinals in the uh, Australian Open. And so that's fun to watch. Uh, Carlos Alcarez and the ageless Novak Djokovic is still doing their thing. So I've really gotten doing into tennis. Thing. I told you. I told you I've really gotten into it down here. So I play it. And so yeah, you're always I, playing tennis. I'm always surprised you ain't tennis. on the pickleball. I'm surprised I you don't play the pickleball. I just, it just, I don't. I'm not that age yet. I just, even though I, it has you become are. a younger, you sport, are. No, I'm not. No, I'm you not. Are. Don't you do that. Don't you wish that evil on me. Don't you wish that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. You are. 
No. You, um, your brain says no, but your joints say yes. I mean, that part may be true. That part may <laughs> actually be very true. But pickleball actually is, is fun. But if you're a tennis – all this t- tennis purists hate pickleball. They hate the sound. <laughs> pickleball sound is very annoying. Like when you get like yeah a, gr- a group of people is playing this a pickleball. paddle and a wiffle ball. Yeah, that's all it is. But it is fun. It is something that anybody can do, which makes it a little bit more relatable for folks to just get out there and do something active. But uh, no, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm strictly a tennis player that dabbles in pickleball every now and again. So I will watch tennis. I'll watch golf. I'll watch basketball. I'll get into more basketball. But I also. We have a couple of DIY projects. We got the garage to take care of, and we're trying to get okay. uh, our backyard in order. Um, and so I got some things to do while football. You're still building out your studio down there too. Yeah, you, you were showing me the progress. We're still, on the yeah, you're still in the backup studio right here. So I got some things to do now that football is over, or at least winding See, down. You can probably relate to this. When spring hits up here, you go into play sports mode. So mm-hmm. like. I'll golf. I want to go out and golf more. Like last year, I didn't golf yeah. hardly at all. And I've told myself this year I'm golfing because it's like my happy place of Zen. I suck, but I'm going to go out there and I'm going to swing away. Dude. Last year, I made the mistake of playing in this 35 and up baseball league, not uh-huh. softball, overhand pitch baseball. These dudes are still throwing 70 plus wooden nope. bats. Nope. Tell me why, man. I would get mad. We would go to these ball fields are beautiful, by the way. Mm-hmm. And we play at some cool places. But I ain't about that life anymore, Trey. <laughs> Man. Dude, I don't I don't want to run bases. I don't want to oh, chase was, down ground balls. Like, I was who does that? Man, I went second to home one time. I swear I tore my whole ass. It hurt so bad. I hit. I I had one like solid like rope down the down the uh, right field line. Uh-huh. One hops the fence. I get back in the dugout after scoring. Everybody's making fun of me. They're like, "Hey, everybody else in the league that's at least a triple." I had to slide into second base. I was giving it my all, and then I just laid there for a minute. I asked for time. I was like, "I need a second. I need one second. Just like your kids. It's all about effort. You it's, do uh, I gave it my all. You gave it your all." Gave it my all. I so when I played baseball when I was younger, I played center field. I pitched. I'm left-handed, so I was limited on what infield positions I played. Uh, In this league, first base, and I would get mad when I would show up and somebody picked the dugout furthest away from first base because I'd have to jog across the oh, field. Yeah. That's the worst. I was man. pissed. Oh, look, I'm like, are you serious right now? They're like, what? This dugout's not in the sun. I'm like, first base is all the way over there. Dude, let me tell you this. So I'll tell you I love basketball now, but my first love was baseball. Oh. Let me – first sport I learned how to play. I played soccer first, baseball was the first – The salt in the swat? The salt in the swat. The great Bambino. All that. Sandlot, goat movie. One of the goatiest movies. Oh, we'll get into movies later. But – um. No, I, I played baseball. And I was pretty good until they started throwing curveballs. And I was like, <laughs> F this sports. <laughs> Let me start playing basketball. Because, dude, like I would bail. As soon as the ball looked like it was coming near my face, I could not stay in there. Like, And so once curveballs got introduced to baseball, deuces baseball. And as a pitcher, that was my favorite thing to do. Is 
if you could get the guy to turn his back to the curveball and just look silly, it was like my favorite thing to do as a left-handed pitcher. And between you and I and everybody who watches this program, my son, now 13, last year was when he was introduced to that. And I really think that's why he's like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm, I'm done Dude, with this. Yeah, it's For him, baseball was just like, my daughter, it's softball serious for her. My son with baseball, he just likes to hang out with the guys, like be in right. the dugout, hang mm-hmm. out with the guys. Now, like he was on the Pony League team last year where it was 12 to 15-year-olds. 15, they throw pretty hard. So he gets a fastball coming down the middle, and then he gets a curveball coming at him. It, it was never the same. Yep. That was it. I, I don't blame him. He was like, hey, can I just golf? <laughs> there you go. Ain't no you do, I mean, you ain't got to hit He's like, can balls. I just golf? I like, as long as you're doing something, I don't care what you do. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I get it. But, um, yeah, these guys, they were throwing 70. One guy, one guy hit 87 in a game that I was playing against last season. Yep. I'm not doing that for free. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm straight. Y'all I, was like, that. I was like, oh, no. And so they were like, are you playing this year? I was like, no. I purely did this because my kids talk shit to me and said, you won't do it. I'm like, all right, the old man's got to show you how it's done. There you go. Got out there, but uh, never again, man. Never again. I'll bowl. I'll oh, golf. Bowling. That's another one I forgot about. Yeah. Play the yeah. occasional tennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll yard pong, if you will. I will beer pong. Oh, definitely. I will. Uh, I will do all of the leisure leisurely activities to the best of my ability. Cornhole. Yes, all of that. But mm-hmm. there will be no. Uh, there will be even basketball. Like I'll play basketball on a cruise. But mm-hmm. that's half court. Half of us are in flip flops walking. I don't even good. play basketball. I'll, I will play basketball at David Buster's. And that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> Pop a shot. And even the, the big one, the big free throw one. I'm still pretty yeah. good. I still got a jump shot, but I'm not doing too much of that side to side. Let's uh, do it again in a couple days. Get All ready right, for the man. weekend. All right, man. I'll talk to you. All right, bro. <laughs>